And as I was looking at what God has been doing in Velocity Church, and I was reading about your season, God, about trans, uh, about reformation and, and this whole idea about revival, it really got me thinking, if we want to see revival happen out there, revival's got to happen in here first. Revival starts right here, right now with you and I and how we live our life and how we act in our life, how we worship in our life, how we give in our life, how we serve in our life, what we do on an every single day basis. And as I was looking at some of the past sermons, I saw you guys just came out of a series on Romans about 30 days ago or so. And so I was like, you know what? I just came out of a series on Romans and I really felt like the spirit of the Lord said, man, there is a word for velocity. City Church that you're to give, and it's actually on a passage of scripture that Pastor Justin preached on uh, probably about four weeks ago or five weeks ago. It comes out of Romans chapter 12, if you want to turn to your Bibles there. So we're going to be hanging out, uh, and, and just FYI, I talk really fast. Uh, so it, it, if, if I'm going too fast, you just yell out, slow down, and I won't, but I'll, I'll know that I'm going too fast. It says it like this. It says in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 1, it says, therefore, and let me just stop right there. Because anytime it says therefore, you got to go, what, 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 there's something that has happened previously that is very, very significant that God is about to do. He's about to give us something new. He says, therefore, in, it's, it's this idea in light of all that God has done, in light of how Jesus went to the cross and died and paid for our sins. And now, now we have redemption. Now we're experiencing grace. Now we're experiencing this mercy. Now we have this new identity in Christ that he's given to us through the salvation, we're no, longer, we're no longer slaves of sin. We're heirs to the King of kings and Lord of lords. We are called sons and daughters of the Most High. He, he's going, therefore, therefore, because you've got an identity in Christ. He says this, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So he's going to tell us what it means to worship. And he says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what is God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And I don't know about you, but I want to know what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is for my life. I don't want to just know it. I want to know how do I actually walk this out? How do I live this out? How do I experience this on an everyday basis of my life? And, and, and so how do we figure that out? And how do we understand that? And I think it comes with really getting and understanding our identity in Christ. And today I want to talk to you about the fact that you are a worshiper. Like, how God created you and how God made you, he has called you. Your identity is, is I am a worshiper. And some of y'all are like, well, I'm not really sure about that. Let, 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 me, let me explain it like this, because I, I, I want us to get this idea that we are worshipers. Because last November, our world experienced an astronomical scandal like we have never 
seen before. It had been playing out for months and months across North America. And, and after the chaos and the disappointment, people by the millions decided to, to take some matters into their own hands. And, and, and they, had, they wanted to do something about it. Many of them waiting for up to eight hours for this experience. They would, ex they would sacrifice whatever was needed to make this event happen in their life. And the results of what took place were absolutely brutal. Systems started to crash as people tried to participate, and there was widespread uh, fraud that was being exposed. And, and despite of the involvement, the results were less than what everyone had expected. It would seem that even maybe some, some dark money was involved in the situation. And it came to the fact that people started going, man, you know what? The system needs to be reformed. It should be safer. It should be secure. It should be more stable. And of course, what I'm talking about is the Taylor Swift Eras Tour ticket sales. Some of y'all thought I was going to go political on you. No, 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 no. We're talking about something way more important than that. We're talking about millions and millions of people trying to get tickets through Ticketmaster. In fact, I, I read that they said if every person that was on Ticketmaster to get tickets to the to this Taylor Swift Eras Tour were to actually get tickets, she would have to do 900 stadium tours in America, not just the 53 she did. Listen, people were waiting and refreshing their browser for eight hours straight to pay tickets between $50 and $500. And after the tickets were sold out, they were paying up to the highest ticket price for a ticket was $95,000. And let's be honest, she's great, but she ain't $95,000 great. Like people were paying thousands of dollars to be up in the corner of a place like Arrowhead Stadium behind the stage, not even seeing her face just to be a part of the experience. Don't tell me we don't worship. Don't tell me worship isn't something that we all do. In fact, I, I want to define worship for you because worship is to ascribe worth or value to something. It's not if you're ascribing worth and value, it's what are you ascribing worth and value to. Listen, we were, we were made, we were designed we were ingrained with something in the depths of our soul to worship. And we will do some crazy things when we worship things. Ladies, let me talk to you for a second. Because there are some ladies out there, you'll be on the gram just kind of scrolling. You know, you've, you've set some budgets, you've set some parameters because you've got some priorities in your life. And then all of a sudden, those shoes pop up. You know what I'm talking about, those shoes. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh my gosh, I've got to have those. And so what do you do? Even though you've set all these parameters, you set all these, these things, you go and you go to the mall and you try those shoes on. And you're like, ooh, 
man, if my husband sees me in these, it's going to be a good night. Said no man ever. (laughs) But because we've assigned some value to them, you think, well, I've worked this many hours and I've done this much and I have this much money. They are worth it. And what you are doing is you are worshiping. And let's not just pick on the ladies because, men, you do the same thing. Because you can be so cool and so calm and so collected, but then all of a sudden, what in the world would drive a man to go to an event where he would take his shirt off and paint himself his team's colors where, where for, for people that he does not know and have never heard of his name and go buck wild and crazy in life, taking his time, his attention, honestly, his dignity. <laughs> it's because there is an internal fulfillment that comes from worship. We all worship. We are all created to worship. And the problem is, is not that we aren't worshiping. The problem is, is we are worshiping the wrong things. We were, you and I, every human being on this planet, every man, every woman, every student, every child was designed and created to worship God, all of those inclinations, all of those desires to, to put value to something. is We were designed not to bring value to something. We were actually designed to bring value to God. The Bible says it like this in 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. So why did he save you? Why did he bring you out of that old life? Why did he plant you in the church? Here's why. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful life. Like God did not save you so you could attend church. God didn't save you so you could put a fish on the back of your car. God didn't save you so you could wear some velocity swag. God saved you so that you could declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous lights. You were created to worship. This is our life calling. This is our life identity to give God the praise that he deserves. So what does that mean, TJ? Does that mean that we're supposed to be those weird Christians that sing and speak King James, theest thouest, this is donest? No, 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 please don't do that. We've got enough of those weird people out there. But we are to live a life of worship. And Paul is giving us a description here. And I want to help us today because he makes it very clear. I want to go back to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, that's an important phrase right there, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So we're going to talk about what true and proper worship worship means and how you can live a life of worship every day before God. So three things, three keys to your life. The first one is this. True worship is a response to the love of God. True worship is a response. He says, he says, in view of God's mercy. 
He's saying, like, listen, it's, you, you, you don't worship out of requirements. You worship out of a response. Because here's what I know. Anytime that there is a requirement in a relationship, that relationship isn't very fun. That relationship isn't very life-giving. There is no joy in that relationship. That isn't where worship is. You don't ascribe worth and value very often to requirements in your life. You ascribe worth and value when it is out of a response of what is happening around you. Like I said earlier, I've been married for 23 years, working on our 24th year of marriage, and uh, I think at this point we're getting pretty good at it because we're still together. She hasn't killed me yet. It's positive. And uh, in marriage, there are some requirement kind of things that have to happen, particularly some dates in marriage, thanks to Hallmark, who I found out is from this area. I I just wanted to burn that place down because they just make me spend money. That I don't need to spend. But, but like there, Hallmark has created some days that are requirements now when you're married. Valentine's Day. It's a requirement, right? Like you have to got to go and you've got to buy a card. You've got to go out and you've got to, you've got to buy a gift. You've got to plan an evening. And because it's required, there isn't a lot like it's, I just don't ascribe, like my wife doesn't get a ton of value out of it. Like, there's actually an expectation on her part that I should do something. Now, what makes a huge difference in our relationship is when I just randomly call her up and I'm like, hey, babe, I saw you had nothing on your calendar tonight. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pick you up at 6 o'clock. I've got an evening plan for us. And when I pick her up, I've got a gift on the seat. And I'm like, babe, it's going to be a good night. We go to her favorite restaurant. It's a good night in the McCormick household at the end of that night. Why? Because I responded not out of a requirement, but out of just a love for who my wife is and what she means to my life. Real worship isn't based off requirement, but it's based off of response. And when we come to God, we aren't coming to him out of duty. Oh, it's Sunday, so I guess I better go worship, or I just got paid, so I better go give. None of the Bible says it like this in 1 John 4, 19. We love, we worship, we serve. Why? Because God first loved us. It's out of a response, and and because we're looking at his great love for us, we're going, oh my gosh, God, what you've done for my life makes me naturally want to stand up and, and raise my hands and declare your praises and declare your greatness because of what you've done. You've shown me my value and worth, and therefore I want to declare how great you are. And I've just found that worship is easy when it's a response to God's love. So if you're worshiping because your mom told you to, or it's the tradition that you grew up in, it becomes boring, it becomes uh, mundane, it becomes redundant in your life. But, but when you come into a service like this and you worship because you remember who you were, like I was in there, I was in here worshiping over here because I remember who T.J. McCormick was before I got saved and how I was down in the, in the pit of life and how God reached down and raised me up and set my feet on solid ground. My feet can't just stay there. I'm moving. I'm singing. I'm expressive. Why? Because I'm responding.
TJ, I don't feel like worshiping right now. Who cares? Because our worship isn't dictated based on how we feel, but it's based on how good God has been. And he's been so much better than your feelings are today. Feelings are fleeting, but God is always good. Like, my best day with God is better than my worst day without God. And so I'm going to respond in worship. Going back to, to verse 1, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So not only is it, re is it a response to God's love, number two, true worship is costly. True worship is costly. It is a living sacrifice. That means it's going to cost you something while you're alive. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard at times. That's why I don't buy into when people say, well, well, I just don't like this song. Well, good thing that song's not about you. Like we weren't worshiping for you. We were worshiping for God. Like, it's never been about us. It's always been about him. So here's the deal. If you don't like that song, it's where you should worship even more because now all of a sudden it's becoming a sacrifice of praise because it's something that's hard and it's something that's difficult for you. All of a sudden it's actually something meaningful and valuable to God because it's costing you something. Like, don't offer something cheap to God. Like, offer something that it, like you actually had to pay for. In fact, there's a story in the Old Testament where David disobeyed God. He went and counted the children of Israel. And all of a sudden, God was like, hey, you, you, you did the wrong thing. And, and, and the children of Israel were being punished. And he didn't trust. And, and, and David was pleading with God, like, hey, whatever you do, please do not harm these people. And for restoration, God commanded David to offer a sacrifice on the threshing floor of Arunanin and, and, and the Jebusite. And in obedience, David asks Arunan to buy the threshing floor, to build an altar, to make this sacrifice. And Arunan goes to the king, he's like, David, you don't, you don't have to buy this. I'll just give this to you. In 2 Samuel, this is what David responded. But the king replied to Arunan, no, I insist on paying for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me Nothing. He's like, man, I cannot give a sacrifice to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, to the Redeemer, Restorer, Renewer of my life that didn't cost me something significant. True worship is costly. So if you go, well, the only time I can worship is if they sing that song for this length of time and this key with this person leading it, then it's not worship. So what is true worship that is costly? I, I think we worship with our time. 
Because one of the biggest sacrifices we can give to God is our time. Why? Because time is our most valuable asset and commodity in life. Like we have no idea how much we're to get and what we have, we have a choice of what we do with it. And a lot of us, we give a lot of it to our job. We give, if you're younger, maybe if you're older, you give a lot of it to social media. You give a lot of it to your friendships. You give a lot of it to your family. You're giving it to all these different things. And I would just ask you, how much of your time are you giving to God? Like, how much of your time is the Lord's? And you're like, well, I give 70 minutes on Sunday to go to church. And listen, I want to celebrate that. In a day and an age where a lot of people are, are choosing to go do other things, the fact that you have chosen to be here in this house to magnify and glorify God, and you said, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. I want to celebrate that. But God deserves so much more than 70 minutes. He deserves more time than, than just an hour and, and, and 10 minutes on Sunday. He wants so much more. And when you give your time to the Lord, it is an act of worship. In fact, I, I walked around before service, and I, just, I saw all the teams that were out there. And I want to celebrate the teams that are, that are giving up their time. Many of them, this is their day off. It's their only day off. And they say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to come here and I'm going to serve God by giving him some of my time to serve other people so they can experience a, a relationship with a living God who wants to meet them and know them from the, from the parking lot to the greeters to the people in kids ministry, just sacrificing, costing them something. Because they learn that when we are saved, our life is to be marked by sacrifice so listen if if you're not part of the team yet if you haven't lived learned how to give your time i want to encourage you go to essentials after church learn how god created you and made you and and how you can be a part of giving and sacrificing some of your time to to further something that's bigger than yourself you listen your life will never make sense until you're living for something that is bigger than you And so we worship with our time, but don't just gonna give him your time. We also worship with our talents because God has uniquely gifted you and purposed you in some kind of way and designed you that you have some gifts that other people don't have. And, and, and those things, when you use them for God, can actually be your superpower to impact other people. Don't use it for your own gain. Don't use it for your own worship and your own glory thankful for the worship team that was up here they're like i know that they come in here and they practice and they sacrifice like they they put it all I, i'm so thankful for the the kids workers that are back there teaching and training the next generation of leaders that that they're they're going man i want your kids I, these aren't my kids i want your kids to know the truth about god and i want them to be invested in that and they're going man i'm gonna use my talents to worship my God. We offer it for his glory. How about this? We worship with our treasure. It always gets quiet. We start talking about money. Why? Because money is the great revealer. In fact, down in South Florida, the, the lottery and two different lotteries just hit a billion dollars that some people won. 
And leading up to those lotteries, every, every week somebody was going, Pastor DJ, what would you do if you won that billion dollars? I said, well, I'd have to play the lottery first, but I, and I, and I would turn the question back and I would go, what would you do? And they would start to give me a list of I would do this and I would do this and I would do this. And what it told me is, is that's who you really are. That list is the revealer because money doesn't just change us. It really just reveals who we already were and what we value in life. And you show me your bank statement and I'll show you what you worship. And listen, it's not wrong to spend money on things. God says he's given you those things for your enjoyment, like have the boat, enjoy the car, live in that awesome house. But if the house is getting all of your time and your attention and your affection, then you don't just like the house, you actually worship the house. It's not wrong to have things, it's just wrong when things have you. Spend your money on things, but don't spend your money on things before you've trusted God first. And worshiped him with that Proverbs 3 9. Your pastor just used this honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops. If if God has blessed you, make sure you give to God first. I, I believe this house is a house that believes in tithing, that, that this is a tithing culture here. That when we when we trust God with the first, he has the ability to bless the rest of everything that we have. And I know some of you are going, well, well, I don't know how I could do that financially. And God says in Malachi chapter three, man, test me in this. See if I won't pour out the blessings of heaven, pour out a blessing that you cannot handle, that I can do more with your 90 than you've been able to do with your 100. Because when you trust me and you worship me with your first, I bless the rest. Well, pastor, God doesn't need my money. Well, guess what? God doesn't need you either, but he chose you. We don't give to God because he needs it. We give to God because he deserves it. Because he is worthy of everything in our life. And giving isn't a requirement. It's a response to all that he's done in our life. So worship is costly. Romans chapter 12, continuing on, says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what is God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. He says true worship, this is what it looks like. Do not conform to the pattern. He's going, true worship is a response. True worship is, a, is costly. And number three, true worship is a lifestyle. It isn't just what you do in here, but it's what you do out there. It isn't just what you say at church, but it's what you say at your home. It isn't just what you say to God, but how you speak to your spouse. It isn't just how you show up on Sundays to church but how you show up Wednesday to that class or to your job. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And I think for a lot of us, there is a big gap between how we act in here and what we look like out there. And God's going like, listen, I want the Sunday version of you to look like the Tuesday version. 
Like how you worship on Sunday morning should be the same way you worship on, on Friday night when you're out of the club. Hello. See, your worship to God isn't just something you do. Your worship to God is everything you do. It's everything. And everything in this world is fighting for your worship. But God is the only one that deserves it. And you, you should be like, God, man, I want to bring you all of my worship. Your marriage should bring worship to God. Your job should bring worship to God. Your attitude should bring worship to God. Your finances should bring worship to God. Your driving should bring worship to God. Some of you are like, you're going too far right there. I want to end with this. In Isaiah, there's a verse in Isaiah 61, 3 that says, an oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of despair. There's this idea all throughout the Old Testament that when you're in a season of despair, when you're in a season of difficulty, when you're in a season of frustration, God says, man, I, I want you to put something on. And uh, he describes it like this. He says, man, I, I, I want you to grab a garment. I like to think of it as a coat. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put on a garment of praise. And it got me thinking, when I think about when it's cold outside or it's rainy outside. What do you do? You, you, you grab a coat and you put it on. Now, you would think that when you put on the coat that the cold out there should go away. It would make sense. Or the rain out there should go away. But here's the reality. Out here does not change. But the moment I put the coat on, it doesn't matter what's happening out here because in here I'm warm. In here I'm dry. And see, what, what God is saying is that a lot of us are going through some seasons of our life right now, and there's a lot of things that are happening out here, and all of our focus and all of our attention is on the things that are happening out here. And if we would just put on the garment of praise, like while things might not change out there, things will start to change in here. And before God ever wants to do something out there, he wants to do a revival in here. And he's saying, man, it begins with us recognizing who we are called to be, that we are called to be people of worship, to lift up and magnify and glorify the name of Jesus in everything we do. Because worship isn't just something we do. It's everything we do. We're called to worship in every season, at every time, in every space, in every place. So my question to you, Velocity, is, is where's your worship going? Who or what is getting your worship? 